Hello and welcome to Division One Rejects. I'm your host, Kobe Manzo, here in our studio, which is actually my dorm. We've got two cameras set up today. We're going to have one tight shot on me and then another awesome shot where you can see our, like I said, our wonderful studio. Today I'm joined by Zach Keen. Zach, how you doing? Doing great. And Connor's not available today. So on the board, we have Jet Harris. Jet, what's going on, brother? I'm doing good. How you doing? I'm fantastic. Now, Division One Rejects, if you guys didn't listen to our introduction earlier in the week, it's a podcast where usually we have three guys on here that play in Division II football up in the UP at Northern Michigan University, and we just weren't good enough to go D1. So we're here to talk about it instead of play it. And now the podcast will be available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Anchor.fm, and now obviously it will be available on YouTube as we're cutting to the cameras, and if you're watching on YouTube, hello. Joining us today on our first episode, we have Safety from Northwood University and personal friend, also a legendary Oxford High School football player, Drew Carpenter. Let's hear it. And a boy, Drew! <laughs> How's it going, Drew? What you up to? Uh, nothing much. Just watching you know, some football. I appreciate you guys having me on. You know, I'm excited. This is fun stuff. Of course, man. Now, you're in a very similar situation to us, also playing in the GLIAC down in the Lower Peninsula, however, at Northwood University in Midland. What has your first impressions of college football been like with COVID as rampant as it has been? Well, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like you don't know what normal college football is like yet, right? I mean, we're going through something totally, totally different. You know, something's never happened before, but so far, you know, the coaches, it's their jobs, right? You know, they're not teaching or anything like that. They, all they do is football. So, you know, it's really competitive. You know, guys are going in there. They're trying to, you know, be the best they can be and, you know, play. And, you know, we're just, you know, waiting to see what would happen now. For sure. Now, the GLIAC right now are actually limited to eight hours of team activities per week. So that means team meetings, lifting, workout, whatever it is where you have teammates present and you're trying to get work in as a collective group, you only have eight hours. How big of a change is, like, for you for this? I mean, I know we have very limited experience with this. We don't know what you said. Like you said, a regular season is like, and I use air quotes because we haven't had one of those yet. But what do you see as far as your group of guys with your on-the-field and or off-the-field chemistry heading into the season? How is that going to affect you guys? I mean, personally, um, you know, we're all still chilling in the dorm. So our freshman class is super close. We hang out all the time. Um, you know, it's like an open-door policy. Like, anyone just walks in anyone's room, we all just chill, right? Um, on the field, you know, there's um, – besides my DB group and my freshman class, I really – you know, I don't know a lot of guys yet, you know, because we're not able to see everyone. So, you know, still introducing everyone, you know, hi, my name's Drew, how are you, where are you from, what position you play, all that type of stuff. Hasn't happened, you know, as much as you expect. The coaches are – you know, everyone knows the coaches. Coaches are really cool. But, like, knowing the other position groups, that's, like, you know, something that hasn't happened yet. But I'm hoping, you know, as time moves on, you know, we'll be able to do that. But – that's pretty much the on-the-field stuff. Off-field, you know, my freshman class were really close, so I really, I really enjoy that. You know, so, Drew, uh, I know there's kind of differences in every college right now, so I was just wondering, like, what are your COVID-19, like, protocols, I guess you could say, for your football players and, like, your general public around Midland? So, um, we're constantly, you know, got to wear masks everywhere. Uh, we do have in-person class, but we have to have the mask on the entire time. Um, so constantly like that we have these uh health checks on this app um i forget what it's called but we have to do that for every practice um making sure you know if you're feeling sick you know then don't come to practice go get checked up and everything like that um a couple of our guys in the wide receiver groups and defensive back groups did get covid and they were shipped off to a uh hotel in midland 
where they had to go through the quarantine and everything like that. And then they have to pass certain tests to come back to practice. So that's pretty much where we're at right now. Yeah, no, that's – like a lot of schools are going to have to battle with that. Like whatever happens, you know, you get one guy on a team that has COVID, all of a sudden not only everybody that he lives with in that whatever house, dorm, whatever is obviously going to quarantine, but then you talk about like a lifting group or a workout group, your meeting group, then they have to go through and do all that contact tracing. It's going to be a huge challenge for a bunch of schools. So That's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. We had a guy, is a receiver, said he wasn't feeling good, and he infected his receivers and then the DB group as well because they were living together so the NCAA as you probably have know has granted an extra year of eligibility to all college athletes so a lot of guys at this division two level who have been redshirted and now are probably fifth year seniors those like super seniors almost they have this extra year of eligibility now most of them are in a weird or kind of peculiar situation where they've already graduated from the university they've got their degree they've fulfilled their credits now they have the opportunity to come back possibly for an extra football season what's the consensus at Northwood and are these guys going to stick around and play out another year or are they just going to be gone and going into their future careers well one of the first things that you know this is even before COVID and before you know I even committed to Northwood um, Coach Haynes our head coach he said that, you know Northwood doesn't a lot of those seniors the red shirt and kids you know hoping they could play that fifth year but with job opportunities coming you know real easily at Northwood due to our business school um, a lot of people opt out of that fifth year and so with COVID you know um, I, don't, I don't know how someone can look at Am I making close to, you know, a good amount of money so I can provide, you know, start my career? Or do I want to keep paying to go to school to potentially play a six-game schedule, seven-game schedule, no postseason aspirations with, you know, the NCAA canceling that? So, I mean, honestly, it's one of those things where it's still in the air. You know, guys definitely still want to play. But it's one of those things where it's like if job opportunities, you know, staring right in your face, you know, it comes down to it. So, I, I don't know personally what, you know, how many guys we have. We're a young team, so that also helps, too. You know, we don't have a lot of fifth years. We're a lot of, you know, fourth-year seniors right now because they were getting redshirted. Red they're, you know, seniors in the classroom, juniors on the field. So, you know, we'll see about that. But other than that, that's pretty much where we're at with, the, you know, the opportunities and future careers. Got you. That's a huge impact, too, and a little self-promotion there. I like that from the Northwood and the business school, just job <laughs> opportunities coming left and right. But yeah. um, that'll definitely be something that we'll see, you know, going into the season. So, Drew, you guys all just want to play ball even with no postseason or championship or anything going on? You guys just all still have a general feeling uh, of wanting for to play? Sure. 100%. Um, you know, my brothers are in high school and middle school football, and I get to come back and watch them. But it's like, how come I don't, uh, you know, get to come back and go back to school and then go play Grand Valley or you guys or whoever in, you know, that Saturday? It just makes no sense to me. Um, we're all ready to get on the field. Um, a lot of insults to, still that you don't do. Um, but in general, we just all want to get on the field. We're, we're there to play football and get an education. And if you're only getting half of that, you just feel like you're missing out on something. So the cons consensus around the entire team is, you know, let's just play some football already. Everyone else is playing except the Gleak, it feels like, right now. Seriously. So it's kind of, yeah, kind of kind of sucks to see that. But, you know, you're hopeful. And, you know, if they were to say we're playing, you know, in three weeks, it'd be awesome if they were to say that we're playing in the spring, it'd be awesome. Just, you know, tell us that we're playing is just better than nothing. Exactly. And now, like you said, like, we're in a much different situation than those guys who are fourth or fifth-year seniors, and they've, you know, grown accustomed to these regular seasons of the Gleak and possible postseason aspirations. But – 
for us, like you said, three games is enough. Like, I shouldn't say that because I'd, I'd like to be much more positive and say we can get our eight-game conference schedule in. But right now, if three games was the alternative to no football at all, like you said, we'd take it in a heartbeat just because we have not had the chance to play any at that collegiate level. But um, just kind of moving on from college, I appreciate your insight down there from Midland. But uh, what NFL games are you watching today? I got, you know, my boy Baker and the Browns. They're they looking to get a winning record today. Um, uh, plus, I got I got uh, Jonathan Taylor on my fantasy team, so I'm going to be watching him. Um, you know the Lions are probably going to lose, but I got oh, Kyler, gosh. so I'm okay with that. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. Yes, he knows. You know, big big day today, I guess. Um, especially after dude, yesterday, college football, man. I mean, LSU going down, Oklahoma going down. Oh, I yeah. feel like anything can happen this year in both sports, so. It means the Cleveland Browns making the playoffs. You know, I'm, you know, I think that can happen too. So we'll see. <laughs> I thought the Lions were making the playoffs. I thought this was their year. So I'm hoping that you're just as disappointed as I am. But um, well, I, I hope I'm not as disappointed as your father on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. you know, he, seems to, he seems to be getting pretty heated. Yeah, no, like you said, the upsets with college football and everything. I mean, did you expect some of this stuff to happen coming back off of COVID and these teams not being around each other? I mean, defending national champs, LSU, even without they lost pretty much every single starter on offense to the draft. I mean, do you expect these things to happen coming back into the season, or what was the consensus? Honestly, I mean, I expected, like, the LS- or LSU to be, like, it's going to be a dogfight for them every game. You know, they lost DeMar Chase to the draft, Joe Burrow. Or Jamar Chase opted out, and literally everyone yeah. else decided to go pro last year. So it's like no matter what, that's gonna be a battle. You know, it's not, it's not like I mean LSU's been good. Don't get me wrong, but it's not like they're Ohio State where they're solid every year. Yeah. You know what I mean? So uh, Oklahoma going down with a shock. I'm not gonna lie, but um, yeah, I I'll, I'll tell you what though, Miami Miami is looking good. I, I'm I'm really excited Very. about Miami, but um, yeah, I think just the fact that everyone's not been around each other. Like, it'll be interesting to see when the Big Ten comes back because, you know, they got shut down and then they're coming back and then, you know, whatever. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with them. But, yeah, definitely kids not being around each other is going to affect, you know, certain teams. Seriously. Well, Drew, I appreciate you uh, coming on with us today. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll be seeing you in whenever we get to actually play, whether that be February, March, somewhere around in the quote-unquote spring season that we're going to have. Well, I'm glad that if we are playing in the spring, we're playing inside your dome because (laughs) other than that, I can't imagine playing in potent. No <laughs> way, dude. And shovel the field off before the game. Yeah, yeah, seriously. But uh, thank you so yeah. much for your time, boss. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you, Drew. Of course, for sure. Thanks for having me. All right, we'll see you, my man. Now, Drew was a quarterback at Oxford High School, one of my rivals in high school, and I had the chance to play against him a bunch in high school. I mean, phenomenal player, and actually taking him from quarterback and turning him over to safety, that's what, you know, like you said, Northwood's trying to do. They've got some good athletes down there, and they've had a decent team. Uh, in the past. Now, for teams like Northwood and definitely for us at Northern, Northern did not have a record last year that was even considering going into the playoffs. So how do you think, I mean, we have to view that a little bit differently, like without a postseason, without the playoffs and championship, does that really affect our mindset? Um, You know, I think just the experience overall, I think is something that all of our players need. Um, Yeah, it can't be replicated. No matter matter what's going to happen, um, Nothing can replicate a game experience. So there's much practice we can get. You know, obviously practicing on the field against our own guys is, is great. But the experience of playing another team, you know, preparing, watching film on another team, getting to hit somebody else, um, that that's going to be the thing that is going to push us to the next level. So I think um, if yeah. we have any chance 
of playing. I think we need to, you know, obviously we should take it, but jump on no, that. Of we, course. Now I'll flip it around for you. What about a team like Ferris State now in Big Rapids who lost in the national championship last year and who has been in the playoffs so many years consecutively? And yes. obviously they have their eyes set on much more than just winning the GLIAC. You know, what about a team like that? What is, do you think that would change their attitude? Obviously we can't speak for them, but. I mean, probably some players. Yeah. I feel like, but. I don't know. If it were me, I feel like I'd still want to just be out there and be able to play and yeah. get like practice in, I guess, even if there's not like some game time experience, something big. Right? Seriously, yeah, especially if you're trying to play at whether it be like the next level or something like that. Um, if you're trying to get to a bigger Division One or the NFL, whatever it is, you're just trying to get that film out there. Um, but talking about the next level. The Pac-12 just recently made the decision. The last of the Power Five conferences announced that they will be playing football in the fall. They announced it on Thursday, which was only eight days after the Big Ten's decision. How much of an impact do you think the Big Ten coming in had on the Pac-12? Okay, obviously, it probably had the biggest impact. Yeah, the yeah. last of the Power Five, you know, all the pressure's on you, especially after the Big Ten sealed the deal. It was pretty much like they had to. It was just a matter of when. And so right after the Big Ten, you know, Obviously, announced their decision. It was almost. It was just a matter of time before the Pac-12 just yeah. said, you know, we're we're coming back and we're going to be playing football. So I'm I'm glad all the Power Five teams are back. Um, we're going to be able to watch some more college football, get some more games in, watch some more games besides you know like the FCS. You know, those first couple of weeks, yeah. it was kind of the cupcake schedule with yes, the big time. Was, yeah, it was. Um, you know, uh, still good football to watch, but, you know, watching the Power Five is nothing like it. So I'm excited to see that comp that type of competition. That yeah, as we get into, like, the heart of the schedule these, like, last few weeks and now heading into this, like, at this weekend, we've seen a ton of more great games. Now that teams have started to get those first week yeah. one and two kind of cupcake schedule games out of the way. Um, but the Pac-12 is only playing seven games. They're only playing seven games. They're starting in early November. And what does that mean for a team like – a Utah or an Oregon that really might have some playoff contention or like hopefully trying to get to that stage. If you only have seven games, what does a seven and oh pack 12 team have over a nine and one sec team? Obviously that kind of conference, um, you know, decision-making on whether, you know, obviously just like the competition because people know that the sec has always been like the biggest, baddest, you know, if you're winning in the sec, you're going to be in the national playoffs. That's just how it is. I mean, ACC, it's always the talk about Clemson. You know, if you barely beat, what was it, North Carolina last year? Yeah. The, you know, if you barely walk away with a win like that, I mean, that's obviously going to be different than, you know, LSU barely squeaking away against Alabama. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's totally different. As it should be. And it's it's just the level of competition within those conferences. And, um, you know, Pac-12 compared to Big Ten, it's it's almost like um, you know the competition, at least right now. Yes, exactly. Yeah, there's a disparity right now in the competition. It's it's more about there are some elite teams in the Pac-12 and some teams that could actually have playoff contention, but the depth is not there. That's for me Definitely. the biggest difference yeah. between an SEC or a Big Ten compared to the Pac-12 is the depth. The depth of schedule. Even you have teams that are just trying to scrape out a 500 record in the yeah. Big Ten or an SEC. They're damn good teams. Yes. Like, they're still very good teams. Now, a large reason, not only was the Big Ten obviously coming back a huge reason, a large reason for the Pac-12 coming back was a, a change to their most recent contract in them coming back, which actually conducts daily screenings for COVID. So that's going to be every single test these athletes are going to be tested. Now, whether that be a swab in the nose or just a quick saliva test, I have no idea. But that's something that was 
had to be a huge factor in the decision, not only because that's something that's going to affect the athletes and coaches' schedules, but that's a lot of money. That is a lot yeah. of money to yeah, be conducting that many tests every day. So how does that show that they're really looking out for the health of the players, or is that more of a logistics thing? Tough question, really. Yeah. It's kind of hard to say, I feel like. You know, I honestly, I just think that daily testing, I don't know, it seems kind of repetitive, but, you know, if that's the thing that is going to say that we are taking tide, yeah. care of our players and yeah. that's the thing that's going to get them past that threshold yeah. of, you know, we are caring about our players, so we get to do this now because we are doing daily screenings, which, I mean, you you could argue whichever way, but, you know, I don't, I don't think you're ever going to know. This is just such a changing um, disease and we don't really know Very what's going to so. happen. So it's like, you know, if if – Daily testing is going to be the thing that gets you past that threshold, and I think that's going to be big for them. Yeah, now that came from the commissioner, Larry Scott, of the Pac-12, and that's just something that, like you said, if that's the difference between not playing and playing football is daily COVID tests, then so be it. Yeah, like yeah, that, exactly. Let's, let's do, do it. it. Let's get it done. Right. Now, you also have to think with the amount of false positives that have come out, especially I know Matthew Stafford was one very notable right. instance yeah. of a false positive, and his wife actually tweeted out and was just appalled by the reaction of some of their like seemingly close friends who were like basically ostracizing them. They were ostracizing their family because they thought they had this disease. And then obviously it comes back that he's negative and he's able to play. But she said that whole experience was so eye-opening in a very oh, terrible yeah. way. Right. Just because of something, how how feeble something like a test result can come back. And even though it's very incorrect and false, that how big of an impact that can have in your life. So when you take that many tests, you have to also take into account there could be some false positives in there. Yeah, yeah. I definitely think that there's a very good chance that we're going to see if daily testing is part of that contract, yeah. we're going to see a ton of positive cases first off. And, you know, you're never really going to know you like the accuracy of yeah. every single one of them. The it's going to be just hard. Yeah. The testing is not very trustworthy. Yeah. I mean, they're obviously going to be making strides as they continue right. to go on. And we talked about the Oregon's and the Utah's those top tier teams from the PAC 12. They've had some big time players that have actually opted out of the season. One right. of them that I was looking into the other day was Penny Sewell from the O-line of Oregon. Now this guy is potentially the best O-line draft pick in this year's class. Definitely. And he's actually already decided to opt out in preparing for the 2021 NFL draft where, like I said, he's the top prospect. So he's right. got, you know, not only does he have a legitimate chance, chance to be drafted, excuse me, he's got a chance to make some real money in the first round of the draft. Yeah. And for a college kid or anyone in general, when you see that and then you're talking about the Pac-12 wasn't even going to play, why stick around? You know, yeah. go right now right. while it's good. Um, but now my question for you guys is, do you think that's just one example? There's people are doing this across the league, across mm -hmm. college football. With them coming back to play this season, is there any chance that guys like Pene Sewell will come back and play for their colleges? I think, like, I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but, yeah, like, just the announcement of Rondell Moore, you know, coming yep. back from Purdue. You know, those big-time, um, you know, playmakers for those big-time teams is going to be – Huge for them. I mean, because Rondell Moore was one of the biggest playmakers for the Boilermakers, and yeah. you know, last year and the year before. So, it's it's all going to depend. You know, obviously with the Pac-12 recently making that decision, um, you could see some more of those big time players coming back. But you know, for somebody like Sewell, who's obviously just going to be a first round draft pick, yeah, because he is the top offensive lineman in his draft class. Um, doesn't really have much to. Um, worry about at this point right. and you just have to it's all business at this point 
Yeah. You know, you have to look out for yourself. And if you think that preparing for the draft right now is going to put you in the best standpoint for, you know, your career in the long run. Yeah, and financially. You just have to make that decision for yourself, you know. You can love your team, you know, through and through. But at the end of the day, it's a business. College football, NFL. Football in general. Football, just politics and business is really what it boils down to. So you need to make the best decision for yourself. So um, it's all going to come down to what the player is feeling and then – what it's looking like for them for like the future of their career. Yeah, very much so. And now we talk about the Pac-12 a lot, but obviously the SEC, ACC, and other leagues have been already in competition, and this weekend was no exception. These games have been awesome. Drew talked yeah. about uh, Oklahoma, who lost to Kansas State, and they put up 24 unanswered points, which yeah. was absolutely nuts. And that game should... Should it have happened? No. That game totally got out of hand for Oklahoma, but that's what college football brings. It's upset season. It's The predictability is not there. And that is like just having that on a Saturday to watch has been so awesome to me. And LSU going down, that was an absolutely insane game. So yeah. the quarterback for Mississippi State, K.J. Costello, threw for 623 yards and five touchdowns, setting an SEC record. Yeah, that's monster numbers. Absolute madness. So – do you think we're going to see more of this? This top 10, top 25 from the AP poll has been shaken up so much. Is that just going to continue, or are we going to – I think we're going to tr- start to carve out a top five or top 10 that will remain. Obviously, I think once the Big Ten, Pac-12 come back and everybody's playing, it's going to start to even out in that yeah. curve of, you know, exponentially changing every single week of yeah. of these major upsets, you know, number eight team losing to an unranked. <laughs> so it's like the changes in – that definitely are going to start to dwindle as more teams are playing. And, um, you know, we're starting to see just the steadiness of what that team is actually about. And we're going to see who actually is the top 25 once those teams get back. And the AP pool is definitely going to start to – I think we'll start to see less upsets Mm -hmm. and then um, start to make strides towards that, um, looking towards, like, the, the national championship and the playoffs. Yeah. Now, like you said, like the Big Ten's not back. Pac-12's not back. There's a lot of teams who are in the AP top 25 or whatever it may be. This is their first appearance ever. Yeah. Now, maybe there's an asterisk next to their <laughs> name because there's so many teams right now that are right. not in contention for those rankings. But just for those teams, that's got to be an awesome feeling. Right now, the team I'm watching is Louisiana Raging Cajuns, man. They're yeah. 3-0. and They just won on a game-winning field goal against the team that Georgia Southern that they really should have put up much, many more points against. But, right. I mean, 3-0 and is 3-0, and and Louisiana is looking really good right now. But teams like that, how fun is it to watch? You get... For me, it's almost been a new perspective on college football. You get so pulled into these big-time matchups, and now we get to see all these smaller FBS and even FCS schools go at it. And it's been, for me, it's been an interesting perspective just to see, like, the different level of athletes. Yeah, definitely. Just the competition um, doesn't matter. Football is football. I always love watching it. But, you know, some of these teams that you never really heard of, they're starting to see a little bit more, um, you know, screen time. So, you know, you never really heard about, like, you know, Louisiana State and – until now because, you know, they're finally starting to get that recognition because, you know, it may or may not be because the other teams aren't playing. Yeah. But they're making a name for themselves. And, you know, you just like to see those teams like that um, succeed and definitely bring their name up. Yeah, I mean, if I'm a coach right now in the locker room, I'm telling these guys, this might be the first and last time you're on ESPN1 or ESPN2. Exactly. Like, they're – okay, like, that's – maybe that's motivation for some people, maybe not for others – 
But for me as a coach, I'm telling you, like, this is your chance. Like, go make a name for yourself. Go make a name for your program. Go make a name for your team. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. I mean, what does that mean to the guys in the locker room, you think? I mean, I don't know. I feel like, for me, most guys in the locker room, I think that they would take that as feel, kind of. Yeah, motivation. Want to play hard and play good. Yeah. So people know who they are and kind of put themselves on the map. Yeah, because that's what they're trying to do, really. You get out of high school and you're going to just try and make a name for yourself, especially if you're trying to play at the next level, which a large majority of Division I athletes are really trying to make that next jump. So whenever you can get screen time on a big-time network like that, that's that's a huge deal. Uh, A game that I was watching as well was the Texas-Texas Tech game, which went into overtime, and Texas actually survived. So Ellinger and and the Longhorns finally pulled that one out. But that game was awesome. It was like almost 60 to sit like up up in the over 100 points to 50 yeah over 100 points right. scored on the night just going back and forth back and forth that is the kind of college football that i absolutely miss and i hope we get to see so much more of it do you guys catch any of that game i i watched uh the majority of it and i also watched some of the highlights it was definitely you know texas tech definitely thought towards the end there i think it was like you know a few more minutes left um and you saw a Texas Tech's quarterback, you know, throw the horns down. Yep, yep. And just like that, it totally flipped. So, you know, it was kind of funny to see that just because, you know, the irony of that happening. Oh, yeah. and Because, um, you know, if that happens, then that video is going to go up on every single social media. Already up yeah, on ESPN, yeah. on Instagram, Twitter. And that's where you're going to be. You're not going to be remembered for putting up 50-some points against a quality team like Texas. Because that quarterback yeah. was having a hell of a game. Yeah. He was having a great game. Yeah. But now you're going to be remembered for putting a horns down and losing the game. Because at, at the end of uh, over, overtime, actually, he throws a quick swing pass to his running back. The running back drops it. It's rule the fumble. Everyone thinks they won. They overturn it. So they get another play. Yeah. What's he do? He goes and throws an interception on the next play. Yeah. And it was, it was kind of hard to watch for him. But at the same time, you're like, why do I feel bad for this guy? He's the one that was just doing horns down like yeah, 15 right. minutes ago. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it does stink for him. That's just a choice you have to make. But that stinks for him. He's going to be remembered for just, you know, horns down and blowing it in overtime. Right. Compared to, you know, that's probably one of the best games of his career on a primetime network. You might never get that chance again. Exactly. It's just a, it was just an unfortunate situation for him. I mean, maybe he should not have thrown the horns down. <laughs> yeah. I don't really know. Hey, you if, know you're feel, like, if you're in the moment, you're feeling confident. Exactly. Like, if you're in the moment, yeah. it's definitely just out of spite. You know, you're yeah. just feeling it, and then you're Big just Big like, time rivalry game. Emotions are very high in state. That's just yeah. stuff like that is, you know, expected to happen, but you got to follow through on it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know. Maybe the defense, if they would have held up, you know, nobody would have been talking about it. Yeah, but that's also true. You're, you never could, gonna, you're never gonna know. Yeah, so you could spread the blame elsewhere. But um, enough of college football. Even though we've been getting our fair share of it, looking on to the NFL, we've got some good matchups. Um, and I know Drew is talking about his uh, Baker Mayfield and his Browns, but they have not really pieced anything special together no. for me. I would say. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, the big win against the Bengals um, was that last Thursday night. So that was a big win for them. Obviously, um, they yeah. needed that win. Yeah. If they were going to do anything in the season, getting smoked by the Ravens, it was almost just like, you know, this is his his time's dwindling here. And mm-hmm. I think if Baker needs this season more than anything right now, and yeah. he needs to be yeah. in his prime, you know, making big-time throws, 
making big time decisions um, when he the game's on the He needs to be the guy lines. that everyone you know wants him to be, who everyone thought he was. Exactly. He needs to be that guy for that for that organization right now. And I think he will. Honestly, my honest opinion is I think he will. You know, it's it's hard to tell their big power offense. You know, everybody was really talking about him. Uh, Kareem Hunt's definitely starting to resurface, yeah. I guess you could say. With him and Nick Chubb both rushing for you know two touchdowns, that was an it was an insane yeah. offensive performance for them. Yeah, when yeah, you balance when fantasy, you, sure. when you balance the offense like that, that opens up so many more opportunities yeah. for your quarterback. Mm. Exactly, it's unreal. Now playing today, we have the Rams at the Bills, who are both two and zero on the year. So I know uh, you said you've been watching a lot of Josh big, Allen, big Josh uh, Allen guy. I'm I'm becoming a big Josh Allen fan over there. Bills Mafia absolutely loves him. He's already thrown for 700 yards and six touchdowns through two weeks Monster. this season. Yeah. That doesn't sound like a kid. I say kid, even though he's older than myself. But relatively speaking, it doesn't sound like a kid who just entered the league a few years ago. Oh, yeah. It sounds like someone who's been established with a program, and he's really starting to make a name for himself. Yes. I think definitely his first few years in the season, you could see the talent. You could definitely see, you know, obviously his arm is just insane. Oh, the arm talent was absolutely obvious. It is crazy. I don't think anybody could ever replicate it. He may or may not have the strongest arm in the league, maybe ever, you know. So him piecing that together is definitely, you can see how he's using that talent along with, you know, making those experienced reads. You know, he's been in the league for a few years now. Obviously not, you know, a Tom Brady's not been in the league for a long time. But, you know, he's starting to piece it together. He's starting to use his arm um, for him. And, you know, making big-time throws, big-time reads. Yeah. And, you know, ultimately... Things he's that a taking, franchise yes, quarterback should do. He is taking the games over. And he is, you know, putting the the Bills in the best position to win in every game that they've been in so far. Yeah, so they're playing the Rams today. And like I said, his stats right now are absolutely insane. But the Rams have close to double the amount of rushing yards per game than the Bills right now, as it stands, led by Malcolm Brown in the backfield. But... The Rams are kind of an interesting team for me right now. Obviously, with the location change, not so recently, but coming over to L.A., and they've stuck with Jared Goff, and that's been like that's been their guy. And they, obviously, years past have had great success with him, and he's done some great things, but he's been very quiet. And their decision to stick with him and to continue to, to excuse me, continue to pay him on a regular basis and keep to fill his contracts, that's been something that's caused a lot of controversy, especially with the quarterback market this year in free agency was absolutely really ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Cam Newton didn't even get picked up by any teams until uh, Bill Belichick right. took a chance on him, and now he's the face of the Patriots. Yeah. So with a quarterback market like that, is it absolutely insane that they didn't pick up somebody else for the Rams, or are they just is sticking with Goff? When is, when is that going to pay off for them, or is it not? I don't know. It's kind of hard to tell right now. You know, it is two weeks into the season. You never really know what, what could happen True. later in the season. He could right. just turn it on maybe today. So it's it's hard to tell with um, with the big free agency market with Cam Newton. If, if they would have taken him in the free agency, you know, that's hard to tell on what that would have done to, like, you know, the dynamic of their team. So that him coming in, especially Cam Newton, big, big-time personality. Yeah. It's it's gonna change. I don't think golf has that same personality, and um, you know, it, it's hard to tell what would have happened to the team. Whether it would have been like a cancerous type thing, or yeah. um, you know, how that would have really paid out for them. So yeah, when you're taking a quarterback, not to you know cut you off there, but when you're taking a quarterback, it's much more than just a player. 
it's a person and it's a dynamic. Yeah. It's going to change the locker room that your culture is going to be very reflected on the quarterback or your quarterback's culture is going to be reflected on the team. They're very highly regarded usually as leaders of a team as they should be because they're in charge of so much of a team success and they have such a critical role in that. So bringing on a new franchise quarterback is obviously not a light decision. It's not like you can just go out and pick one up off the side of the road and now your team's complete. But there's a, like you said, there's a whole culture change that might have yeah. needed to happen had you brought in somebody else. So right now with their current management right now in L.A., maybe they just thought that golf star guy. Golf star guy, we're very familiar with him. It's a safe choice, you know, and sometimes that's all you can hope for is just a safe choice. Something that's not going to get you, I don't want to say like get you in trouble, but like, you know, season and record wise, it's not going to get you in trouble. And I don't mean to take this off topic because, you know, I'm a big Packers fan. (laughs) And with this draft that just happened, you know, obviously there's some questions. So, like you said, it's not a light decision about taking a franchise quarterback. Mm -hmm. And so when they took Jordan Love and still decided to start Aaron Rodgers, I was like, you know, questioning why that was because yeah. you and know many people were. It's, it's yeah. Wow. Anyways, yeah, it's a bit. That's a bit mind-boggling. Yeah, what we've seen, it still hurts. It's what we've still, seen from Aaron Rodgers in two weeks too has not yes. warranted any need of a backup. Well, I shouldn't say a backup, but of a replacement. No, uh, no decline. Let's just put it that way. And yeah, I just wanted to set the record straight. There's no decline. There what we've seen so far, I yeah. am just saying. <laughs> Anyways, we get it. Yeah, Jordan Love, if he's going to sit on the bench for three years, that changes, you know, the fans' dynamic with the team. Drafting a quarterback and taking a franchise quarterback changes the entire, you know, mood of the team and the franchise as a whole, whether it's the fan base or everything. Like, it completely is – it was the biggest – one of the biggest talks of this offseason – yeah, and of the draft. It was probably the biggest, one of the biggest points of the draft. So, this is a first round draft pick exactly. that you could have used to get a weapon for Aaron Rodgers. And it's after not last year. It's like he's dwindling in his performances. I'm, so, it's, it's, it's just so tough to watch. I mean, obviously, they're 2 0, playing the Saints yep. tonight. Going to be watching that game. Big time performances by um, both quarterbacks are going to need to be had. Um, obviously, Packers are going to come out with it. There you go. But, uh, you heard it here first. Yeah, you heard it here. You heard it here. Yeah. <laughs> the other great game today that's going on, it's actually starting right now, is the are the Pittsburgh Steelers who are hosting the Texans. Now, the biggest storyline for the Texans so far has been the loss of DeAndre Hopkins. For me, that's been their biggest storyline because uh, Deshaun Watson, as, as much of a true competitor and absolute uh, just athlete that he is, I don't know if he can do it on his own. And he's really missing Hop out there for his number definitely. one target. You know, there was – I guess you could definitely see um, – and I guess the Chiefs, especially, the amount of drops that yeah. were happening. And it was like, you know, DeAndre Hopkins definitely would have helped right there. Yeah. So Deshaun Watson is kind of in a scramble right now. And, you know, I don't know if it's solely on the, the loss of DeAndre Hopkins, but yeah. a weapon of that caliber, right. you know. You're going to feel their – what's the word? You're going to feel when they're gone, you're going to feel that absence. That's yes. what I'm looking for. You're going to feel that absence. I feel like – like throughout these next couple of weeks, I feel like they might start to figure some things out a little bit. Yeah, with, between him, they're going to need receivers to. like Brandon they, Cooks. Yeah, Cole exactly. Will Fuller, exactly, know? and they so, need to, like Zach said, yes, they need to. They but do. this week is not the week that they needed to figure that out because Pittsburgh's right. defense has been 
It's been awesome. And people are calling it a Super Bowl caliber defense. You've got TJ Watt coming off the outside. He's been doing some insane things on the pass rush game. Minka Fitzpatrick as safety has been doing. I mean, he's just he's a very instinctual player, uses his eyes very well, reads the quarterback. And you have Cameron Hayward on the defensive line, who's just a natural born leader. And he's really kind of been the heart and soul of that unit. Um, along with some other interior defensive linemen who have been, you know, their run-stopping game, they're in between the tackles, as well as, like I said, the pass-rushing game. They're a very complete defense. Definitely. Yeah. And Probably that, the most. Exactly. The and the, are definitely arguably one of the most. And that is scary for a team like the Texans who are just, like you said, trying to figure it they out. can't figure it out. Like, they're trying to figure it out. And that yeah. this week is not what they wanted. It's going to be a gauntlet. It is going to be. It's going to be a great game. And now Pittsburgh is at home. So that's going to be another factor that plays into it. And Big Ben, for me, the the one factor that's going to change the outcome of this game is Big Ben. And if he steps up and matches the caliber play of his defense or just steps up his game and elevates his yeah. game, not that we've seen anything that's been terrible from him. He just hasn't been his usual self coming off of the injury yeah. and some of the other offseason uh, interesting conversations that were had about Big Ben. Yeah. Um, we won't go into that, but he needs to step up his game. And that's for me, has been something that... Even we saw the Steelers last year without Big Ben coming in. You had uh, Doc Hodges and these other quarterbacks that were just trying to fill in. The Steelers almost made it to the playoffs without Big Ben, without a prominent franchise quarterback. That defense, I shouldn't say by themselves, but that defense carried them almost to a playoff berth. Yes. Now you've got offensive playmakers like James Conner, like Juju Smith-Schuster that are getting things done on the offensive side of the ball. But Big Ben needs to step up and elevate his play, keep his defense off the field, and... I think they're going to give the Texans more than they can handle. I think Steelers are taking this one. Steelers are definitely going to take this one. It's, it's you know, it would be a miracle for um, the Houston Texans to just have such a turnaround, you know, to match up against a defense of that caliber. Um, that would be one of the biggest turnarounds, I think, in, you know, NFL history. Holy crap, I just messed up. <laughs> Yeah, for them to, like you said, they're trying to figure it out. If they all of a sudden just started clicking on all cylinders and made this thing happen today, I mean, more power to them. I just exactly. don't, I don't think it's going to happen. I no, really don't. Steelers are running away with it. Monday Night Football has possibly the best game we've seen in a long time. And we haven't even seen it yet, but potentially one of the best games we've seen in a yeah. long time. That's the Kansas City Tree Chiefs, excuse me, who are traveling to Baltimore for the Monday Night Football game. So the first thing that comes to mind is Patrick Mahomes versus Lamar Jackson, who... We've seen them in college, Texas Tech, you know, and Louisville battling it out. What do we expect from this game? Um, obviously, I think it's going to be a shootout. Um, Ravens have a pretty solid defense, and you know, respectively, with um, the Chiefs' defense, can't yeah, you can't you can't take anything away from them. Obviously, coming off the Super Bowl, Lamar coming off the MVP, it's it's just going to be a battle, and um, I can't wait to watch it. I'm a quarterback, so I'm an offensive minded guy. Can't yeah. wait to watch you know. Both offenses uh, battle it out. Definitely a little bit um, different of play styles from both of those quarterbacks. Um, Patty Mahomes, obviously, with you know big time arm, arm talent, um, making down the field throws. Lamar Jackson can, but obviously his game is um, you know different. making the people yeah. miss, and it's we haven't been seeing it since you know like the Mike Vicks, all of those type of players right. where you know quarterbacks with those just a ridiculous speed and. It doesn't matter. They're both big-time playmakers, and we're going to see, you know, lights, camera, action on, on Monday game. night. 
Oh, totally agreed. And you talked about the quarterbacks, how they have very individualized games. Now, the teams, I think, also reflect that very well. The Chiefs are a team. They're going to spread out, and they're going to throw it across the field all over the place, and they're going to go to all their different weapons. Then they're going to sneak behind and hand it off to Clyde. And he's been having a great Clyde first couple is weeks. Very, very, very good back. Edwards Hilaire, that is a st- the steal right now of the draft. Coming yeah. in at the last pick of the first round, the Chiefs picked him Solid. up. So the Chiefs really, that's their game plan. They're going to spread you out. They're going to go to all their numerous amount of targets, whether it be Chel- uh, excuse me, Kelsey. Uh, Watkins is actually questionable, so Watkins may or may not be there. Um, but they're going to really spread you out and get to those uh, big-time targets yes. across the field, whereas Baltimore – likes to sometimes go in double tight and just pack the box and run an option. You know, they run an option like, you know, really utilizing Lamar's play style and trying to get him outside of the box and running downfield is what they want. Yeah, those, those, both of those weapons, offensive weapons, um, obviously with the addition of J.K. Dobbins in the draft, um, you know, helping him with Mark Ingram. uh, When you guys, when they run that option, having those two very powerful backs, um, fast, Heisman. You can't do it without him. Yeah, exactly. So With that stable of backs. Yeah. And you get you know Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, all those guys in space, they're going to make things happen, just mm-hmm. like on the other side of the ball. So I, j- I can't wait to watch. It's going to be a great game to watch. And That'll be the first matchup between uh, reigning MVPs, obviously Lamar last year and Patrick Mahomes the year before that, both under 25. Absolutely ridiculous yeah. numbers for both younger those individuals. Yeah. Uh, but that's all we've got for today for Division One Rejects. I want to thank you guys very much for tuning in, whether it be you're watching us right now on YouTube, listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever it is. Uh, if you enjoyed it, go tell your friends about us. That'd be great. I'd really appreciate it. Give us if a you little shout-out. If you didn't enjoy it, don't. Don't say anything about it. But if you did enjoy it, please go tell your friends about it. Um, and if you have any connections that would love to be on the podcast, we're very open. Our, our business email is on our profile. So just reach out. Any feedback is super appreciated. And uh, let's go see some great football today, guys. Yes, oh, sir. Yeah. Have a great weekend. Turn them on.